The holidays may be behind us, but if you're a gearhead, this is your second holiday season. Equipment manufacturers are launching new gear, tour players are inking fresh club and ball deals. This is the time of the year when the industry becomes the focal point of the sport. Welcome to the Golf Equipment Bonanza. I'm Jonathan Wall, Managing Editor for Equipment at Golf.com, and I'll be bringing you the latest gear news from around the industry and the professional ranks during each episode. That'll include interviews with some of the biggest names in the industry, be it major champions, the guys making the clubs, or someone you've never heard of within the equipment space that deserves your attention. If there's one thing I've found from having worked in this industry, it's that it's full of compelling stories that need to be told. With this being our first equipment episode, we'd love to get your feedback on what you think of the format. You can reach me on my email address, jonathan underscore wall at golf.com. We're kicking things off this week with an interview I conducted recently with Masters Champion and Callaway staffer Sergio Garcia. We touch on a bunch of equipment topics during the chat, including why Sergio still enjoys grinding his own wedges. But before we get to Sergio, here are five gear thoughts on my mind as we go through one of the busiest stretches of the season. January 1 marks the beginning of the equipment signing period where players are finally able to unveil new gear for the very first time. For gearheads, it's better known as the other Christmas morning. So far, we've seen world number one Justin Rose sign with Hanma, Gary Woodland with Wilson, Kevin Tway and Troy Merritt with Titleist, and Kevin Na with Callaway. Outside of the Rose deal, that's not exactly a murderer's row of marquee signings. I still think we see a few more players ink deals before heading into February, but at this point, it would likely be guys who don't currently have a club agreement in place, i.e. equipment free agents. If there's one free agent I'm keeping my eye on, it's Francesco Molinari. The Open champion recently switched to 14 Callaway clubs in Hawaii, but confirmed he's still a free agent. Switching out of a club or two doesn't throw up the red flag, but when you go from 13 tailor-made clubs and a Betonardi putter to 14 brand new sticks after a career year, you start to wonder if there's more to the switch. At this point, I would not be shocked if he cashes in on his big season and makes the deal with Callaway official, assuming things go well initially with the new clubs. Speaking of Justin Rose, can he sell golf clubs? That's the question Hanma will be hoping to get an answer to this year. For many, the Japanese equipment manufacturer is a relative unknown in North America, but they're hoping to change that by increasing their footprint in the US, starting with launching a new club line and signing the world number one to a club deal. Rose gives Hanma something they desperately need, which is tour visibility. That visibility is necessary when it comes to introducing golfers to clubs they've likely never seen or heard of before. If Rose comes out hot out of the gates, I think golfers will certainly give Hanma a look. But if Tiger Woods wasn't able to convince enough golfers to buy clubs to keep Nike's hard goods business afloat, I don't think it's fair to expect Rose to carry the weight of Hanma's future in North America on his shoulders. Rose playing well bolsters Hanma's claim that they're a premium brand worth buying, but it won't be the reason why Hanma's expansion into North America is deemed a failure or a success. I'd argue Ricky Fowler's ball deal with TaylorMade is bigger news than Justin Rose signing with Hanma. For a company that's been all about the driver for decades, TaylorMade inking Fowler to a ball-only agreement is essentially their way of saying they want to be taken more seriously in the ball game. Now, they already have Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, and John Rahm playing the ball, but those guys are equipment staffers. For Ricky, a Cobra staffer, he's choosing an unknown in TaylorMade for a key piece of equipment over a known in Titleist, a ball he's played for basically his entire life. Is it a major gamble? Potentially. Fowler just turned 30 and is entering what could be the prime of his career. Now, I don't think it's as big a gamble as when Bubba Watson chose Volvic over Titleist, but there's always a learning curve when it comes to the ball, especially in a competitive environment. For Fowler, 
His time using the ball while paired with Dustin Johnson at the Ryder Cup already gave him a preview of what he can expect from the new ball. But this is different. He's now locked into the new agreement for 2019 with TaylorMade, and I can guarantee you everyone will be analyzing his play on the course to determine if we made the right move. Outside of Tiger Woods and maybe Jordan Spieth, I believe Ricky is the most marketable player in the world. For TaylorMade, it's a great piece of business. The sky is the limit if Fowler succeeds with the ball. It didn't take Titleist long to make their presence known on tour in 2019. During the Sony Open, they were the usage leader in every club and ball category, a rarity when it comes to golf's highest level. But it was the driver that piqued my interest the most. Titles had 45 drivers in play during the week, with 38 of those being the new TS series. Before the driver count win in Hawaii, you had to go all the way back to the 2001 PGA Championship to find the last time Titles won the driver count. For a non-major event, it was the 2000 Buick Open. That's a long time to go without having the number one driver. So what's changed? For starters, Titles has made a concerted effort to improve their technology this year, making the face faster and putting a priority on ball speed. The technology has been a big reason why players on tour have started using the new driver. Of course, there's another angle that needs to be analyzed when it comes to a possible driver count shift on tour. TaylorMade, which won every PGA Tour, World Golf Championship, and major driver count during the 2017-18 season, is unlikely to repeat that feat this year due to the significantly reduced tour player staff the brand now employs. Currently, there are only five staffers listed on their website. TaylorMade's decision to partly back out of the driver arms race helped Callaway and Ping pick up one win apiece during the fall portion of the season, but TaylorMade still logged six driver count wins. With the calendar turning to 2019, the potential is there for another brand to gain ground. So far, it appears titles could benefit the most from the shift. It's unlikely it will win every count this season. Callaway, Ping, and TaylorMade are all firmly entrenched in the discussion. But with the rise in usage early on, and the early success of TS, a potential changing of the guard could be in the works. The next few months should give us a good idea if Titleist or another manufacturer is going to take over the most played driver on tour tag. And we save the best for last, Tiger Woods. With this week marking his return to the course at Torrey Pines, we'll get our first glimpse at his new bag setup. Until a few weeks ago, I would have guessed the only new thing would have been a tailor-made M5 and or M6 Metalwood, but I think there could be more new gear in there, particularly the new tailor-made P7TW irons bearing his initials. They were actually spotted in Tommy Fleetwood's bag in Abu Dhabi and have similar badging to the retail P series. And Woods actually had the irons in his bag during a recent TaylorMade photo shoot, which led many to wonder if they were going to become a permanent fixture or if it was merely for the shoot. I would have said it was the latter at the time, but with Fleetwood already using the irons, I think there's a very good chance Woods could put them in the bag as well. I doubt the shaping is that much different than the TW Phase 1 irons he's been using, which should make the transition an easy one as he prepares to start the year. The next question for the average golfer is if we'll see the irons at retail anytime soon. Judging by the interest in Woods' gear, you'd have to imagine something is in the works. And with that, let's get to the interview with Sergio. With any early venture, you know, you kind of want to start low and build to a crescendo. And, and this being the uh, first Golf.com equipment podcast, um, we decided to do things a little bit differently. Get a, get a Masters champion <laughs> in here to, to talk about gear. Sergio Garcia, thank you again for, for the time and for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So you've been working on a lot of the new gear. Um, you've been with Callaway now for a year. Um, and, and I'm curious, 
was the transition from using your, your previous equipment that you had used for a while and getting into new gear, how easy or difficult was kind of that adjustment uh, over the first year, kind of getting acclimated to to the new clubs? Yeah, um, well, funny enough, it, I, it was easier than I than I thought it might be. Uh, obviously, when you've been with another company for 15 years, it's uh, you know it's not that easy to to change. Even though the the colorway equipment is is really good, you still you know it's not the same thing but um yeah but it was uh it was quite simple uh i got in quite quickly to it uh i, I played well on it so um you know probably the the thing that kind of i wouldn't say worry me but uh, i was a little bit more skeptical about was the the, the golf ball mm -hmm. but uh but that also was was an easy change because uh, i really uh, i really saw some some great things that uh that i didn't have with with my old ball that uh that the the chrome soft x would would give me and um you know it uh, you know it made it it made it pretty simple yeah you mentioned you mentioned the golf ball being such a huge part of the equation um, what what's your testing process kind of like when you're when you're getting for you it was getting fit throughout the bag plus the golf ball being added to the equation what what's your process like when you're trying to see if a golf ball is going to fit your game well it's it's quite simple obviously yeah we're, we're looking at numbers and making sure that uh, you know the things are not too uh, too too far off off where where we want it to be but uh, but at the end of the day for me I've always been a see feel kind of guy so you know if 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 i'm hitting it it feels good uh if i can if, if i can see the flights that uh that i that i picture in my mind if i can if i'm able to do that with the, with the golf ball usually it's it's already a a win-win win situation but uh you know it's uh it's it's not that easy but because you know at the same time if if there's something off, you know, I can I can kind of feel it and kind of look and say, you know, that one fell like it's spin a little bit more, and then we'll look at the numbers and confirm it and stuff like that. So, it's a uh, it's a kind of back and forth uh, work between between me and and all the the ball technicians and 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 everyone around in Callaway. But um, you know, it's uh, it's been good, and I'm I'm really excited about the the new one, the new Chromesoft X coming up because um, you know that one feels really really good. So we're here at the Eli Callaway Performance Center, and I saw you out there on the range hitting the new driver. Um, wh when do you, the pros typically get? When when did you get your first look at at the new Epic Flash? And and you know, what are you kind of looking for when you're trying to decide if a driver is gonna gonna fit your game? Well, I mean, the first look uh, the first look I got was uh, in May. That was uh, the first kind of like rough kind of look uh, at it, and and hit it a little bit um then until until just now uh until yesterday uh i haven't been, haven't been able to do it because i've been playing and obviously had the rider cap and, and stuff like that so there wasn't much much room for me to to work on it but um you know but it feels it feels great uh, it looks really good uh i'm i'm excited about you know picking up two or three mile an hour ball speed with with a combination of ball and driver so so that's uh, that's always something nice but at the end of the day uh, it's a matter of making sure to mix that with getting getting the the the, the shape that you want to get with the driver and 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 the ball flight that you want to get with it and if you can if you can do that then it's uh, you know it's perfect match do, do you enjoy the process the, the process of going through new gear kind of 
testing new products. I mean, it, it, for, for tour pros, it feels like every single year you're being shown something new. Do, do you enjoy kind of that process of working through through new products? I, I do. I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, I think there's this other guys that are a little bit more, you know, uh, afraid of it. Um, I mean, ideally, probably we would like to, to be with the same gear for maybe a couple of years at least. But um, but we understand that, you know, you, you got to bring new products and, and, and the people want to get new things and, and things that improve the game and stuff like that. But um, I, um, I I enjoy it. You know, I, I it doesn't bother me at all. How much when, when you're in the testing process, let's just say with the driver, how much are you relying on what you're feeling versus what you're seeing on the launch monitor numbers? I know some players are, are kind of shade more towards one side or the other where, where do you kind of fall in, into that category i'm i'm shade more towards the the field kind of uh side um if it uh if it looks if it looks good to me and it feels good that that's good enough for me obviously then we go we go to the number side and, and make sure that what i'm feeling to kind of get a confirmation of what i'm feeling is it's right um and and if it's uh if it's right on the window that we want it to be then it, then it's perfect obviously if it's if it's too far off if my feel is too far off you know we we try to tweak here and there to make sure that we can match both things but uh but usually uh usually they're not they're not far off one thing from another you know, I, I talked to, to Dean Tackle a, a little bit about working with you, and he said this year it was so easy to get you into the new driver. He said he picked one head out, and, and that was the head. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that relationship that you have to build with those two reps and, and just that trust that you have in them? How long did it kind of take for the, the two of you, the two reps out on tour, and you to kind of just get on the same page so they could kind of know what, what you're looking for when, when it comes to the <laughs> Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, uh, for me, it's it's not. And if you talk to Dean and stuff, they'll, they'll probably tell you that I'm I'm not. I'm a fairly easy guy to to kind of get uh, get things to, but uh, or get things fitted to. But uh, I think that uh, you know, at the end of the day, for me, as as long as if if I if I enjoy the the person uh if if i'm happy with uh, with that person then it's it's much easier to to work with and and you know to open up and 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 tell exactly the things you want and and stuff so it didn't take us uh, long at all you know it probably took us a couple of weeks of getting to know each other and 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 then knowing what what i feel and and some of the things that i'm looking for and and then uh, then to be able to to uh to work those things for me so um it was uh it was pretty easy to to do some guys will test different shafts when when they're trying a new product do, do you try other other shaft options out there or are you pretty much you know what you like and you just kind of stick with that i i pretty much know what i like and and if i've been playing a shaft that i um that i've done well and 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 that i enjoy i usually stick with it uh obviously i tend to i change to the tensei um the middle of last year uh to the blue tensei uh the mitsubishi uh, chemical uh before that i i had the same shaft for for quite a while so um you know i try not to unless you know dean or or some of the other guys from colorway will come with me and say you know i think you should really try this new shaft because it's you know it could be really really good you know usually we we kind of keep going the the way the way it felt good before you're one of the few guys on tour that that still counterweight their their clubs. When when did you start 
kind of adding more more weight in the handle and just for for our listeners listeners out there what is it about that that counterweight feel that really just works for your game yeah i um i started doing it i think probably around 2005 2006 uh, and mainly it's it's a feel kind of thing for me uh, which which gives me confidence obviously because of the the, the swing and the lag that I have if uh, if my claps get a little bit too head heavy uh, I feel like I'm kind of losing them behind me and then it's difficult for me to get them back in playing in, in front of me so by by counter by by putting the counterbalance on them the claps still heavy which I, I like heavy kind of heavy clubs but because it's more balanced the, the the face doesn't feel as as heavy so it feels like it's easier for me to to move to move around and, and get it in front of me at, at, uh, at the time of impact um it's it's funny because with the counterbalance the 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 swing weight becomes a lot a lot uh, lighter right it shows lighter even though the club is not uh, but uh, you know it's 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 something that you kind of work on and, and, and figure out. So I, I got to tell you a story. I remember walking in to a tour truck one time and had to do a double take because I saw you grinding <laughs> on the grinding wheel, yeah. <laughs> work, working the, on the your wedges. wedges. Yeah. yeah. And and I couldn't believe it. I, I thought for sure that the tour reps did all the grinding out there for the guys. And here you were grinding <laughs> your own wedges. When when did you start kind of working on the wheel? And, and wh what, do you, what do you love about kind of being able to, to kind of work on your own wedges and grind yeah i saw that uh i saw that from from retief retief Gusen. uh he also he also did that and um it's mainly because it's a it's a unique kind of grind uh it's not like just a normal kind of soul and uh, kind of leading edge of of the club kind of kind of grind something like that it's it's a little bit more on the neck it's so it doesn't really affect the club when when you play it normally but when you when you get your your lob wedge or something and you open it up in the bunker or, or for a flop or something like that you kind of shave a little bit of the neck so that way it doesn't stick in front of it and it doesn't feel like you can catch it with the ball so it gives it's it's more than anything a kind of look uh kind of thing that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable but i've yeah i've been doing it for been doing it for a few years now probably i would say at least uh eight or nine years what, what initially when you were doing it i mean did you ever have one of those moments where like the wedge just kind of shot back up towards you i mean i'm, I'm sure you <laughs> i'm sure you had did you ever have an instance like that <laughs> no i mean not 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 too bad uh i had uh i, I probably have had a couple of times where you know you accidentally grabbed the 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 club after after grinding it's really hot and it's like oh jesus <laughs> so you gotta be careful with that but uh other than that nah not much you know you you know that you have to be careful when you're when you're out there on the wheel because uh you know it's still it's a machine and and you know it can you can scratch your fingers or something like that so you you just gotta be careful wearing wearing uh, uh gloves and and some uh some eye gear for to make sure that you you don't get hurt uh, you know, I saw the the Toulon putters that that Sean Toulon made for you, the the one for the Ryder Cup and and the one with with the Spanish colors. Mm -hmm. um, it, and I've kind of started to notice that that some other players too are now kind of adding a little bit of character to their to their clubs. Do do you like kind of having those you know a p personalized putter with with a little bit of your a little bit of your flair? Um, you know, just something that's a little bit different than uh, than just like the standard stuff that you're seeing. Yeah, it's always a nice touch. I think it's a it's a great touch from from the from the company and you know it's nice to it makes you in a way you know it kind of makes you feel a little bit more 
uh, important, a little bit more uh, like loved and yeah. you know taken care of. So um, it is nice to to have it, and it also you know gives you a little extra something to relate to. Uh, either if, if it, you know it can be family oriented, it can be country oriented, it can you know it can be so many so many different things. Sports oriented, so it's um, yeah, it's fun. So getting away from from the current gear, I just got a couple of other questions for you. Favorite favorite set of golf clubs growing up was was there was there a favorite set when you were a kid that that you just absolutely loved, or maybe something that you that you really wanted that maybe you didn't end up ever getting to, a chance to hit? Mm, I don't know. Um, I remember one club that always uh, kind of sticks in my mind. I remember when I was, uh, I think I was like nine or ten. I remember I had these like strong through that i used as a driver it, it was called a nasa driver um and and it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like a graphite head and it, it was kind of like a maroon kind of uh, black kind of looking head uh, that i i love i love hitting it and and i hit it really well and and i i enjoy that because it was right after moving from you know persimmon uh so um it was when i started getting you know, it went there, then it went to, to um, uh, obviously, uh, steel heads and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, but I remember that one uh, from, from a long way ago. <laughs> I'm, I've always been curious. I've never asked a tour pro this, but, but what the heck do you do with the golf clubs when you're done using them? When, when, when you put something new in the bag art, do you, do you have buddies that are like trying to hit you up for, <laughs> for product or do you, do you donate them? Where, where does that, where does that gear go? Do you have a giant, just a giant locker at home <laughs> uh, with all, with all your equipment? Yeah, you do have, you do have a good amount of, uh, of gear. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our gear, you can only give it to certain people, uh, because there's a lot of amateurs that obviously they can't handle, uh, the gear that we play. My brother, my brother, I, I have given some to my brother. He's, he's a good golfer. He's a scratch handicap and, and he swings, he swings it well and he swings it fast and stuff. So, so he can handle it and, and, you know, he gets a little bit of that and maybe a couple other friends, but yeah, a lot of it, you just kind of save it and, um, you know, just have it around, I guess. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of talk here recently about the you know, the USGA's rules and the changes. And this week we've seen a lot of guys putting with the flag in. What's what's your what's your kind of feeling on that? Are, are you going to putt with the flag in? Um, is it something that you've kind of thought about now that it's it's legal? Uh, I haven't. Uh, I mean, I I didn't think about it until yesterday when I when I saw it on TV. But uh, I'm sure that I will. I, I think that. I look at it. I probably, I probably would use the flag from like really long pads, long pads, long range pads, uh, something like maybe 50, 40, 50, 60 foot, uh, so you can see better uh, without having the caddy like standing uh, around the hole, and then, um, and then maybe for tappings, maybe for after a chip or a shot, really, really close to like a foot or something like that. Other than that, I don't think I will because I feel like. If you don't hit it with a perfect pace, it's easy with a putt. It's easy for it to hit the flag and kind of roll around and and miss. Mm -hmm. uh, and without the flag, it would just hit the back of the hole and 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 you know more most likely go in. So um, you know, I probably won't won't really use it from you know uh, other than really really close range or really far. 
Thanks for listening to this equipment episode of the golf.com podcast. Special thanks to Sergio Garcia and the folks from Callaway. This episode was produced by Lucas O'Neill and me, Jonathan Wall. And if you're looking for more equipment news, check out golf.com. We'll catch you next time.